This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Katzman Models. Can't spare an extra dollar for stop motion effects? Is suitmation not suitable for your project? Then call Katzman Models for passable designs at affordable prices. We guarantee that your film will be watchable on some level. Katzman Models. It's a choice you have. Warning, Katzman does not guarantee your film won't be an unintentional comedy. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host Travis and with me as always is Steven. How are you doing Steven? I'm back! Yeah, you're back. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just, I had, I had a little out-of-towner mission to do last week and we tried to work it out but didn't work out but it's fine. I'm here now. That's what matters. I'm here now. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, our episode this week is going to be packed full of all kinds of fun goodies, so let's just jump right into it. How's that sound? Let's just dive in. All right. Um, our new segment isn't really, uh, packed, though, because we didn't really have too much news coming out, uh, this week in the world of giant monsters, but, um, we'll cover a few things. So, the first thing in our news segment is... Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was nominated for a Razzie Award. What? For what? And <laughs> and people are up in arms. Um, it is under the category of worst remake, sequel, or prequel. I think is what the category is. Uh, no. What? All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they just need well, to fill the roster. All right, go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, there are a lot of movies that have been um, nominated for Razzies that probably didn't deserve it. And this isn't that big of a deal. Like, Like, the Razzies is not something that's really yeah it's not a legitimate source no one cares it's just like ah look at that so yeah i mean yeah i mean to be fair i don't really care that much for uh for the oscars either so i don't think it really yeah i don't think ultimately these awards or awards in general are becoming less and less important in the film industry um not saying they're not completely unimportant but they're becoming less important. And the Razzies, of course, is just a stupid, dumb, goofy thing that they've, that they put together. So it's not, it's, I don't know why people are so upset by it. <laughs> I could argue that uh, the Academy Awards have not been relevant for a long time. Uh, and in saying that, I don't think they really recognize what makes a movie good. I mean, granted, I'm not going to say that not all their movies aren't good, but what what exactly are you trying to narrow out as best picture? Because we can go all the way back to 1977 when they gave Annie Hall mm-hmm. best picture over Star Wars. And right. I would argue, 
I know I'm a fan, but I would argue that <laughs> Star Wars was culturally significant in so many levels for being the right. best movie of that year over Annie Hall. Who remembers Annie Hall yeah. today? No one. Right. No one. <laughs> Who remembers Star Wars yeah. today? Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're definitely not in touch with the cultural significance of the films because they, the movies that tend to be best picture winners or at least, you know, majority of the time, they're not the ones that last, yeah. you know, the ones that people remember, like you said, they're not the ones that people, uh, are influenced by. Whereas movies that fly completely under the Oscars radar are the ones that have cultural impact have a lot of uh, things to say, and people remember, and they're influenced by it. So, yeah, I, I really just, uh, I don't take this stuff all that seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of fans take it way too seriously and get way bent out of shape when something is nominated or isn't nominated, or especially with the Razzies, you know, something that is nominated, it's like, it just it just doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people are going to be really up in arms. They could be already. Because I know that the, the, the yeah. fact that the Joker got nominated this year was significant for all these DC fans. And I did say that on purpose because I know how they can be. <laughs> Look, mm -hmm. there are some good DC movies yeah. out there. They're not all yeah. gems. And I'm not defending all the Marvel movies. I'm just saying. They're not all gems. I remember Superman. Right. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, continue. Uh, it's Joker. <laughs> I I did. It's a good movie, but perhaps maybe I had my rose-tinted glasses on when I watched it. So, because I heard all the hype and then I heard all the negativity. And I was like, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see it on my own. And then I watched it and was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I don't know if I'd feel the same. I haven't come back to it yet because I, yeah. I've, I've had time to process it all. So I might, I mean, I kind of did the same with the rise of Skywalker. I walked out and I was like, that was pretty good. And then I started thinking about it. And it was like, could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely feel you on that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not against, things being nominated or winning awards you know good on you know good on the people who put the work in and and made a film and stuff i mean the fact that a film is made period is kind of a you know a little miracle sure. because of the amount of work that goes into it mm -hmm. so good for the people who get nominated but it just doesn't it to me it's not important um but just uh real quick i did look up it's worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel is what uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is nominated for, and it is nominated alongside Dark Phoenix from Fox, the X-Men well, movie. Winner. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hellboy from Lionsgate. Oh. Uh, a Medea Family Funeral, also from Lionsgate. And uh, Rambo, Last Blood, also from Lionsgate. Okay. I've, so. heard, I've heard a lot of bad things about Rambo, um, but I also mm -hmm. have heard a few good things because there, I, I know a few people were like, "Yeah, Rambo, guns." Okay, so yeah. I'm not the target audience for Rambo. I've maybe seen right, two or exactly. three, and I'm I, I don't I don't yeah. dislike them. I probably like the first one more than I do any of the others I've seen. 
But eh, Dark Phoenix, clear winner. Hellboy gets a lot more flack than it deserves. I think if people would actually give it a shot, because mm-hmm. my wife was one of those people who was like, I don't want to watch it. And I was like, I'm curious. I'm curious. We mm-hmm. watched it. Guess what she said? Okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I was like, ah? Ah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one seems like the kind of one that people went in wanting to sure. hate because it wasn't the Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. one. And so I think people went in with a preconceived notion on that one. But yeah, yeah. For me, the two, I haven't even seen some of the movies, um, but like between the X-Men and uh, Rambo, it's like those two. But again, it's hard to fault Rambo when we are obviously not the target audience. So it's like, there is an audience for this. And if they enjoy it, then who am I to say that's bad? It's like the Godzilla movies, you know, I'm the target audience for these Godzilla movies. And just because they don't appeal to everyone doesn't mean they're bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the hardest part for any, any filmmaker trying to make these movies is Mm -hmm. how do you teeter that line? Because you have right. to make it for the fans because that's where it kind of lost some of the, the first, I, I guess, some of the audience, the fans for the, mm-hmm. you know, Godzilla from two, 2014. And then we come back here and now we're really giving it to fans and it may have gotten lost on some of the more casual fans. But where's that? Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's such right. a niche thing, really. That Exactly. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely a hard balancing act. Uh, and I won't say that, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters is a perfect film. But, I, you know, yeah. again, all of this doesn't mean anything. But I, yeah. it's news and I wanted to cover it. I think people get too worked up about this stuff. Um, our next bit of news. Uh, uh, let's see if I can pronounce the name of this company. Katakawa. Um, who is, uh, has the DIA, um, licenses, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. Uh, they have announced a new Gamera trademark. Now, okay. That's, that's, that's the news. <laughs> that's it. They, yeah, they went in and retrademarked Gamera. Okay. Um, now, what that means is they could, be working towards a new Gamera movie so they're going ahead and trademarking it mm-hmm. or they could just be renewing the trademark that they already have to keep it within their license um, either one of those is possible and it's not really doesn't really mean anything <laughs> but you do realize that Shin Gamera is coming now the darkest of dark Gameras <laughs> oh yeah yeah Oh man, just imagine the end of Shin Gamera when his shell opens up and you see the little, like, mini Gamera's that are coming out of his shell. <laughs> and they're frozen in, like, stone. Oh man. There it is, people. We've, we've already cracked the nut. It's Shin Gamera coming soon. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's not really big news, but I wanted to cover it too because there's so little Gamera news out there that any little bit is you know good to to talk about so um yeah we we don't know if or when they'll ever do another gamera movie but maybe this is a step in the right direction maybe (laughs) 
All right. Um, now, Wonderfest has been going on over in Japan. And along with that, they have had a lot of announcements on collectibles and figures and things like that. I don't think we're going to cover any of that this week in our podcast because neither one of us are really in the figure collecting kind of community. Sure. This is more of this is more of Michael's kind of world. So mm. um, I might see if he wants to send me over kind of a rundown of some of the latest news, some of the most exciting things to come out of there, and we'll talk about it next week. But I, I at least wanted to mention it. It is going on. It is something that is happening. Mm. Um, the last bit of news that I have is SSSS Gridman. <laughs> I, I always have a hard time. I always want to say Gridman. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Gridman is now available in North America on Blu-ray and DVD from Funimation. So if you have not watched that uh, anime series it is considered one of the best anime series out there right now um, within the last few years uh, and it has a lot of fans I have only watched the first couple of episodes I've never really gone back and watched the rest of it but from what I've seen it was really good and really well done now but is this, now is this uh-huh. I'm sorry to interrupt but is this is this re- being released like on blu-ray through Funimation or is there a possibility it's on their streaming platform too? Um, it's being released through Funimation. I'm not sure if it's gonna if it's available on their uh, streaming platform. It might actually already be on their streaming platform. For all I know, I, I um up to date on what's available on Funimation's platform. So I don't know, but mm-hmm. I do know that it is available on Blu-ray now for the first time. Um, it it wasn't available beforehand you uh could only watch it through streaming services or through when it was coming when it was airing i think crunchyroll aired it back in the day um Mm -hmm. but now it is available on blu-ray for people in north america it's been available in japan it's just now available in north america (laughs) so we're always late to the party (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I didn't really have any other news. Was there any news going on in the world of giant monsters that you wanted to cover? I guess I did want to touch on one thing that was just because I was trying to, I felt like I'd seen something and there was one bit, I'd say news that kind of filtered through. And I'm hoping that people didn't think that this mm-hmm. was legitimate, but it was a fan art of Kong. I, f- I saw, I guess it was supposed to transition like, here's Kong in 1973, oh, here's yeah, Kong uh-huh. in 2020. And there there was at least one headline that I read that almost tried to pass it off as legitimate. And I was like, no, no, I don't think this is legitimate. Because when I first saw it, it, it was labeled mm-hmm, fan right. art to kind of show him like he's aged. So if you saw it and they were trying to pass it off as legitimate, it's not. This is fan right. art. So keep that in mind if you see yeah. the headline. Yeah, we um when I saw it it was definitely uh listed as fan art, but yeah, if it's being passed off as legitimate, that's that's not true because it is definitely fan art. Um even though mm. we do know Beardy Kong is confirmed. 
is confirmed. It is confirmed. I want to see. I want to see more of a beard, though. I, I'm hoping, yeah. like, big beard. Yeah, in that big fan beard. art, it was a very kind of subtle beard. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want full mm-hmm. beard. <laughs> All full right. Beard. Um, I'll go ahead and throw this into the uh, news segment because it ties back into something that me and Michael discussed in last week's episode. But um, we have been discussing this movie that is coming out from... Uh, what is it? Kanakawa? Is that how I said it? Yeah, Kanakawa. Um, mm-hmm. that is called Nezra, uh, which was a, was a, okay. an unfinished film back in the 60s and by Daie. And they're now, Kanakawa is now finishing it and making it and making, you know, using the modern technology and everything. They are making it. And, uh, when we were talking about it, I was kind of basing off of my memory, and my memory is very faulty, and so I got a lot of facts incorrect. So just so that we can stay honest, uh, I want to correct some of the facts that I had wrong. <laughs> um, but actually, it comes from a, from a listener, uh, Kyoe Toshi on Twitter. I think it's how you say that, at Kyoe Toshi. Uh, okay. He sent us a series of tweets kind of calling us up on or calling me up on some of the facts that I got wrong. So (laughs) I'll read some of those out. So he says, hello, just a few notes on this week's episode, uh, which was last week's episode. The original 1934 Daibutsu uh, Kaikoku, or uh, Great Buddha Arrival, which I mentioned because uh, Kanakawa also did a remake of Great Buddha Arrival, and that was another film that I said was an incomplete film, but what um, Kyoe Toshi says is that it was it was completed and released in Japan. It is a lost film, however, uh, so it's one of the pre-1946 mm. Japanese films that was uh, likely destroyed in the fire bombings during World War II. Uh, so no footage of that movie exists uh, and so none of the footage actually exists in the 2019 version, which is what I thought they used some of the existing or the, the remnants of the footage from the original one in the new one. But he said there are some right. still images from it that were used, but not uh, the actual footage because the, the movie is lost. It's it's gone. Um and mm. let's see what else. And it says, as for 1964's Nezra, it is an uncompleted film. So that one we got right when we said it was uncompleted. Uh, none of the footage shot back in 1964 has survived. There was a completed trailer, but it was destroyed sometime after 2002 when uh, Kadokawa um, bought out Daiei Films. Uh, let's see, presumably this was because the trailer contained scenes of cruelty to live animals, which we kind of talked about last week because they used real rats, um, real sewer rats, not just real rats, but real sewer rats in filming and Mm. they ended up having to exterminate them. So that might explain why the trailer no longer exists. Uh, so he said, so they won't be using original footage in the version that was recently crowd- crowdfunded, but will be recreating it, which is what the new one that me and Michael have been talking about. Um, now, we also said, now, I do remember when I was doing research that 
in uh, the some of the miniatures from Nezra did get used in Gamera, the 1960s uh, or the original Gamera mm-hmm. film. But I also thought that the suit from Nezra, uh, the giant rat kaiju, was reused in a Gamera movie, but uh, it wasn't. According to uh, Kyoe, uh, he says it was never repurposed for any other film. Gamera director Yuasa Noriaka said he had seen the top half of the suit and producer Nagata Masaichi uh, was always trying to get him to use it in a Gamera film, but that he never actually did. And then he called Michael up. So, Michael, if you're listening, here's a fact that you got wrong, <laughs> because we were trying to remember how many uh, Showa-era Gamera films there were, and Michael mentioned there were 12. Uh, there's actually eight Showa Gamera films, with four in the Heisei uh, era. So that's 12 altogether, not 12 Showa. Uh, which I didn't know for sure what the number was. So that's why I didn't even bother trying to correct Michael. Cause I'm like, I don't know. So he could have been right. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, and so he said, that's mm-hmm. likely why the number 12 was stuck in our heads when we were talking about it. And yeah. So, and then he says, best wishes for you, uh, for your podcast going forward. So it was a, it was a real pleasant, uh, thread to see. I'm glad that people are keeping us honest. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, so for sure. That's some clarifications. If anybody was not aware of the Nezra film or the giant Buddha arrival and they were taking our word on some of the facts. No, we did get some of the facts wrong. Uh, here's some of the corrected facts. And there you go. That was I just wanted to kind of touch on that. It is a sad state of affairs to think about, though, that there was a movie out there mm-hmm. made, and now no one yeah. will ever see it. That it's lost to time. Oh, there's a that is... bunch of movies that are just lost to time, and that that is it is really sad because it's mm-hmm. like, especially when you do research on some of the ones that have been lost, and you're like, man, I would really love to see what they did with that, especially back in the time period they were yeah. in. Uh, but yeah, a mm. lot of them were lost and that's not, not just, you know, Japan lost a bunch of films, but America has lost a bunch of films, uh, France and, and Germany and all these, you know, the films, uh, especially the old school celluloid films, they don't last and they do degrade and they burn yeah. easily. So a lot of them didn't survive. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess you could fault that to the, the studios for not taking better care. I mean, obviously in that situation with Japan, they didn't really have a right, choice yeah. in the matter. It's not like they asked for that. But I know that there were a few things that I've heard, you know, stories about deleted mm-hmm. scenes or footage that people talked about. You know, you hear these behind the scenes things and then you find out that footage exists, but the studio never right. took care of it. Maybe they disposed of it and be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then... You can't get a, a different cut or you can't see these scenes as they were mm-hmm. supposed to be. It's it's disappointing, you know. I wish they would have done yeah. their due diligence and just kept, you know, kept yeah, better care and, of it. Yeah, Doctor Who fans know the pain and suffering of that because there are plenty of the classic Doctor Who, uh, plenty of episodes that just did not survive 
through time and were not taken care of and stuff. And so sometimes the audio survives, but not the actual uh, print of the film. So that's that mm-hmm. it, that happens too. So there's a lot of that, that that a lot of that happens. And I think it it's kind of like comic books, almost like one of the reasons why old school comic books are so valuable nowadays is because no one cared to keep them. No one cared. Like they were like the newspaper. Mm-hmm. You just read it and then you threw it away. And so then it just becomes, you know, not valuable. And then just nobody keeps them around except for a few people. And then those few that survive are now super rare. And it's kind of the same way with movies. Back in the day, they didn't really think to keep them or, or they were going to, you know, need to preserve them for a legacy or anything like that. They were just cranking them out. So. Yeah, it, it's it's funny how things work like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our news segment. So we're going to jump into the main topic for this week. And I have a feeling this is either going to be our highest rated movie or our lowest rated movie. <laughs> and <laughs> it's yep. going to be one of those two. Um, but before we get into what the topic is... Uh, the trivia question that I asked last week that hinted at what the topic was, uh, was what giant monster movie planned to feature Ray Harryhausen stop motion effects, but decided to use a cheaply made marionette instead. And we got a few answers, uh, from Facebook on the Kaiju groupie Facebook page. If anybody still is not aware of Kaiju groupie, Please check it out. That Facebook group is a wonderful place for Kaiju fans to hang out and talk. Um, So some of the responses we got, we got uh, Eric Rossi, who said the giant claw. Dylan Nolan, who said the giant claw. Arorden Carroll. I I always forget how to pronounce his name. I need to talk to this guy and figure out how to pronounce his name right. But I think it's Arorden. (laughs) Um, and he said the giant claw, uh, Jeffrey Randolph said Retilicus. Yeah, nah. Uh, then we get into some of the funny answers. I love the funny answers. Uh, Brandon Hurst said West Side Story. Now, (laughs) imagine, imagine the giant claw or the giant bird, because that's, that's what the actual topic is, is the giant claw. But imagine the bird just doing the little, like, snap dancing as he's walking down the street. <laughs> ma! Ma! <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Brian Stafford said, Muppzilla takes Manhattan, which I think is supposed to be a play on the Muppets take Manhattan. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. And we had another one, and I didn't put it in the show notes, so let me pull that one up real quick, because I want to give them a shout-out, too. Ah, here we go. All right. So, um, yeah. So we have, uh, Nicholas Blackler commented Team America. <laughs> um, so that was cool. And then, then he put the song, which I don't know how the song goes for Team America because I haven't done it, but he's like, Team America, heck yeah. Getting super smushed by a giant monster. Team America, heck yeah. What did you expect? They're tiny people against a giant monster. <laughs> Dan, 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 America. Oh. Uh, yeah. 
Oh man, but then he but then he come back and and actually commented the giant claw. <laughs> so uh, he got he got two in. But yeah, I just love the funny answers. Those are my favorites. Um, so yeah, so this week we are discussing the 1957 movie The Giant Claw. It is directed by Fred Sears, produced by Sam Katzman, stars Jeff Morrow and Mara Corday. Uh, and that's the only two I'm going to mention because that's really the only two people that matter in the movie. Mm-hmm. So before we get into our initial thoughts, do you want to do a quick plot breakdown for this movie? Boy, oh boy, if there was a plot, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, so we have this electrical engineer named Mitch who's doing a, a test flight for reasons for his job, let's just say. Yeah, reasons. And then he sees something that looks like a battleship. But it's not a battleship. It closely resembles one. Okay? And then he comes back, and he's like, did you guys see this battleship? And they're like, you're crazy. There's nothing on the radar. And then he's like, but there was. There was something there. Kind of like a battleship, but it wasn't a battleship. It was a UFO. (laughs) And then he's just, oh, you're nuts. Oh, you're crazy. Just like a lot of these movies go. And then until something really bad happens that they can't dispute it anymore, they're like, you're crazy. You're out of here. Oh, wait. Maybe you're sane because another thing got attacked by this mysterious UFO that's not a battleship, but kind of looks like a battleship. And then there's this kind of back and forth of trying to find it. They're not really sure. And then we kind of find out what it was. And boy, oh boy, was that fun. (laughs) And then we got to figure out (laughs) how to stop this thing that we kind of think we know what it is. But we're not really sure because that description, whew, that was a scene. (laughs) And then we stop it. The end. (laughs) Yep, the end. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So... Initial thoughts on this movie. Uh, you want to start? <laughs> this movie was... Look, in doing this, as we've been doing it, I've been, I've been seeing movies that I have yet to see. Movies that I'm aware of. Like, I was aware of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was aware of it in some capacity, but I'd never watched it. And then I watched it and I was like... Eh, this could probably be all right. I'm open-minded when it comes to giant monster movies. This was horrible <laughs> on so many levels, so many levels, and and breaking down why mm-hmm. is is going to be the the tough part because there's just there's there's potential. I'll give it that. There's potential for a good. 1950s 60s monster flick in there mm-hmm. but they dropped the ball hard oh yeah <laughs> yeah um i am kind of i mean i'm in the same of course in the same same place as you uh there is a good movie in here there is uh i mean as far as the acting goes and as far as the general story goes it's not much different than other movies from the era so it's not like it's that bad but where it really really fails is the actual monster and Mm. (laughs) do you want to try to describe this monster that we see in this movie (laughs) 
Okay, so there's this. It looks like a cartoon vulture, mm-hmm. like from a Looney Tunes cartoon, but even more ridiculous mm-hmm. with big bulgy eyes and this derpy face. They did this shot in the movie, which I thought was like, you really went to that shot of all things? They were trying to, to get a close-up f- picture of it flying in the sky, and they got this front-facing shot of it looking cockeyed in the camera, like, good day. And he's like, wow, that was the worst shot you could have possibly picked. That is, there's nothing terrifying about that. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, man. Yeah, this creature is so... I mean, it's a giant bird is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but it it barely passes as a bird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, he looks like he's been around the the family tree a couple of times. Yeah, it's, just, it's about as nice as I can put it. Oh my goodness, I I kind of love it though, and I think we need to get into <laughs> our likes. I want to cover likes first and then dislikes because, of course, we're gonna have probably more dislikes than likes. But I, I sure, <laughs> but I sure. I kind of want to touch on some of the positive things that we found in this movie, and one of it is uh, for me is. I kind of do like the monster, but not <laughs> not because it's good, but because of how no. silly it is. It is so goofy looking and so silly, and I kind of love it. <laughs> to be fair, no other movie is going to claim it, right. <laughs> so it does stand out. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the monster from the giant claw. Of course, I know that monster. Right. Uh, yeah, of course you do. No one else is going to mock that. Right. <laughs> Um, I actually, and I thought it was kind of neat how they kind of built up to the reveal of the monster too. You know, Mm. it wasn't all of a sudden showing you, they kind of slowly built up to it. That was pretty good building the suspense. Um, I have listed on my likes that the French Canadian man, uh, I think his name was Pierre. I I think it was his name. Uh, when he Mm. first sees the bird. He has the same reaction that I think a lot of the audience had when they saw this. It's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> just on the ground, just in a fetal position. Like, oh, no, he just straight up fainted. He was like, oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah. And what did he call it? He had a name for it. La, la, ca, uh, come on. Hang on. I wrote it down. La Cacarne. Yeah. La Cacarne. Oh, La Cacarne. And I'm I'm not going to stretch on that right now. We're just going to leave it at that because I've got some problems with that too. But La Cacarne. They were trying to give it some meaning, some depth. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, okay, what are some of your positives that you want to talk about for this movie? <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be a hard one. But I will say... One of the things I did like, the the main actor who plays Mitch, Jeff Morrow, he, when I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. And he was in This Island Earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it was like a universal classic, so to speak. They parodied it on the Mystery Science Theater movie. Mm-hmm. I like, some of his dialogue is so ridiculous, <laughs> but I love his line delivery because uh. he's just so in it. You know, and he can he can sell any line. Like I, I'm trying to remember one. I'm actually looking up 
one of these because it was like, I haven't the faintest, foggiest idea. It's one of those cockeyed concepts that you pull down a cloud eight somewhere out of sheer desperation. And he sells it. Uh-huh. It's just like the yeah. most outlandish line. It's like, just say no. Right. But no, he has to embellish it all. Yep. But he makes it work. And I like that guy because he can do that. Yeah, I like him. I think his acting in this is one of the things that makes it kind of enjoyable uh, because he mm-hmm. sells the the whole thing. Um, yeah. There is a scene, and I put it in my favorites part because, and not in my least favorites. And I, I had to, and I was debating on whether to put it in my least favorites or my favorites, but I put it in my favorites mm-hmm. when the scientist is explaining the bird and the origins <laughs> of the bird. Now we'll get to that in our dislikes because I have a mm-hmm. lot more to say about that, but there's sure. a moment where he's saying this thing that looks like a feather, the, it's, and he's holding up a giant feather. <laughs> he's only, I don't, I don't trust this guy's credentials as a scientist. <laughs> he's holding up a giant feather. And he says, he's like this thing that looks like a feather to us. And then, then he says, uh, we tried to put it through the whatever machine to test it. And then he points over at the, in the corner and there's the crushed and like broken down machine that nobody else in the room has noticed up until this <laughs> point. It's just, right. it's just over in the corner. There's this absolutely wrecked machine that no one has paid attention to until he points it out to everybody. He's like, Oh, I was wondering what that was. He's <laughs> like, did it just fall apart when you put the feather in it? That doesn't make any sense. It would have made more sense if it melted it or blew it up, but it just looked like it was disassembled. Yeah, it like collapsed. it just went, <laughs> It's like, nope, I don't want to be a machine anymore. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And so I had to put it in my likes because I was like, I, I, I love it. I love it too much to not have it in my likes. Oh, um, this is a feather. Only it's not a feather. But it is a feather. Is it or is it it? Please. (laughs) Like, I don't trust your credentials as a, as a scientist. Can we, can we get a second opinion? (laughs) Oh, God. It was so great, though. Um, okay. Let's move into our dislikes. Cause like I said, I know that's going to probably take up the majority of the time that we're talking about this movie. So. Yeah. You want to start off talking about some of the dislikes that you have for this movie oh man oh man um i'm gonna say okay so the narration there is constant narration in this movie right narration over scenes that they could have fleshed out with actual dialogue yeah and he's like why are you narrating this at this moment just just let them play out the scene we can figure out what's going on but they literally either thought we were too stupid mm-hmm. or they they forgot to write any dialogue and we're just like, what are we going to do? Uh, narration. Yeah. Narration. We'll just, we'll talk over it. It was just like, my God, why are you talking, dude? Yeah. I mean, I know they did like a little narration. Um, What was the, uh, the Harryhausen movie that we did? Oh, um, yeah, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Yeah, they did that at the beginning. Yeah. That was a setup. Yeah. This is all throughout. Oh, yeah. You're just like, here's what's happening. Okay, cool. We got the narration out of the way. Now they're doing this. Oh, you're back. Mm-hmm. And then we get halfway into the... Now there's things going... Oh, my God. Why are you still talking, narrator? Yep. Go away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean, it was annoying for me, too. But I also was like, eh, this is kind of a thing 
back in the 50s they kind of they did a lot of narration in movies it's it's not it's not that unusual but you're right you're right it's like over scenes where they could have actually had real dialogue and they decided to do narration it's like it's annoying (laughs) yeah there was there was one scene in particular where it hit me i was just like there's a whole scene here they are acting out the scene and you're narrating over it Mm -hmm. why it was just, it was mind-boggling to me. It was like, anything else could have worked, but you're narrating over it. So this is terrible. Yeah. So the way I have my dislikes um, set up is I basically just wrote down little uh, one-sentence long descriptions of individual scenes that stu- stood out to me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the first one that I have listed is sexual assault. Oh my God, you <laughs> saw it too! <laughs> Yes! Oh my god, there was so much of it. <laughs> I mean, the part that stood out to me was this woman is asleep. Yes! Him on an airplane, <laughs> and he just leans over and starts macking on her, and it's just like, excuse you. <laughs> right! I mean, it would, it would be understandable had they been in a relationship prior. Right. But they didn't know each other from Adam. And it was like, what are you doing, man? Stop. Uh, Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, And then I have just listed just one word. Antimatter? Like, like, is that the explanation for this bird? (laughs) It's not matter, it's antimatter. And if we destroy, can we hurt it with matter? Well, we possibly could, but the things we shot it with were made of matter, so possibly not. So what is it? Is it matter or antimatter? (laughs) They're quite so confusing. I was like, wait, what? Like, I expected this to be like a mutated bird or some kind of like, you know, prehistoric thing, but... Yeah. And they brought out antimatter, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, we just really confused everything at this point. Yeah, and I love there's a line, and I, I want to come back to dialogue in general, because I do mm. have something mm. fun I want to do. But uh, there's, a, there's a piece of dialogue where they say, our weapons are useless. They're worse than useless. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> the, what? Like, how are they worse than useless? Are they making the birds stronger? Are they <laughs> <laughs> worse than useless? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm so glad we're doing a section on dialogue. I've got plenty. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I I definitely welcome it. Um. There is a scene that I have listed down here as suddenly we're in. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> because there's mm-hmm. a bunch of teenagers driving on the road who. <laughs> <laughs> What was what was up with it? They just come out of nowhere just to be fodder for this bird. Yeah. It's just like, we go away. And they're just so obnoxious and arrogant. It's like, geez, come on. Get, Get out of here. Get the off the road, old timer. Whip bag. You kooky 50s kids. Nah. It's so weird. Such a weird scene to just suddenly, and then of course the acting, which again, the the main guy he he sells it, Jeff Morrow he sells it mm-hmm. because when when the uh, kids are being attacked by the bird, it just cuts to him and the girl and the woman in the car just looking horrified, like oh no, oh. oh. <laughs> okay, uh, and while we're on that scene, yeah, okay. I'm going to talk about that because this happened right after. Pierre died. 
and they right. didn't give a damn no. <laughs> that he died. That made me so mad because it was like, so this dude, you guys were like, he was your pal. And you're just like, well, he's dead. I guess yep. Laka Kanye because it meant the death of someone if you saw Laka Kanye. It came true. Well, yep. I'll be damned. And then they just, okay, screw Pierre. And then the, oh my God, they're dead. It's like, you don't even, they were just, what? It didn't make any sense. They were just mocking you two seconds ago. And now you're so distraught. But your friend Pierre dies. And was like, shucks. Uh, yep, oh my I, gosh. I mean, to be fair. Well, the teenagers were asking for it too. But I mean, Pierre had the option to just stay still. He did. <laughs> he did. And he was like, oh, like a And took off just to die. He did it to himself. You're right. Oh my goodness. He is I, I think he's my favorite character in the whole movie though. <laughs> it was the air. Well his uh his Applejack, his snake bite serum, his uh, drink. Yeah. I'm curious. I was just like, okay, so we it's got two names. Which is it? Is it Applejack's or is it snake bite serum? Which right. is it? I wanna know. But it seemed to cure everything. Right, exactly. Oh man. So um what are some more things? in this movie that you want to talk about in the dislike section. <laughs> oh, do we have time? Uh, okay. So you said whew, the sexual harassment. There was so much. Um, so much. So much. There there was a lot of, I don't want to touch on the, the dialogue yet. There was a lot, there was a name. Yes, I wrote this. This might have to teeter back into the like section a little bit. Uh-huh. I think it was the... Um, they were they were talking to people on the radio and somebody had a handle of zebra love 7979 that has to be an internet handle out there in the world because if it's not that's a shame cuz i was what like what even is this movie yes zebra love 7979 come in and i was like okay all right that's there's wonderful. a story behind that nope I, i'm curious of what it is though but i don't know but no speaking while we're on that subject of a dislike they okay. were attacked they they sent planes after the bird they were trying to attack the bird because they didn't know what to do because their weapons were useless but they're worse than useless you're right worse than and they useless. sent yeah, and they sent planes after it, and all these pilots are dying. All these planes are going down, and the guy, narr- <laughs> given the play-by-play, was just like, oh, God, he went down. Oh, he got another one. Oh, no, we're all dead. We're going to die. It's was like, dude, have some emotion for crying out loud. Care about somebody. But it was just yep. like, oh, we're all dead. Yep. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the bird showed more emotion in its face than than he did in he did. this acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, um, now we kind of transitioned a little bit. I, I do kind of want to start. I know we can talk forever about the things that are wrong with this movie, mm-hmm. and I do want to cover a few more things. But we transitioned a little bit back into the likes. There is something that I really liked, and I did like the bird destroying the city there's a scene where the bird is on top of what i think is supposed to be the empire state building but it's not really a very detailed model um and it it looks pretty good i mean you know it is what it is but it looks pretty good i was actually surprised by that so i did uh i did 
I did like that. Yeah. Now, as far as dialogue is concerned, there is a podcast that we mention a lot on this on this podcast uh, that are friends of ours that uh, host a giant monster podcast called the Monsters vs. Men podcast. And mm-hmm. on their podcast, they like to give out awards uh, each episode for the movie that they're reviewing. And one of the awards that they give out is the best piece of dialogue or best dialogue. So I want to do that. We're going to, we're going to steal the monsters versus men format for just a second. And we're going to give out an award for the best dialogue in this movie. So who are your nominees for best dialogue in this movie? I mean, Mitch, has some winners, let me tell you, because the first one, I literally rewound this film <laughs> because it was like, did he just say that? Did I just, did I mishear what he just said? But they're in the plane, and I think this is after he'd already initially seen it, but they were in a plane with another guy, and he wanted to check on the weather. And he goes, mm-hmm. hey, what's the poop on the weather? And I was like, poop? <laughs> Did you did you mean scoop? But no, he said poop. What's the poop on the weather? And I was like, what does that mean? Oh my goodness. So I was so confused because I thought scoop made more sense than poop, but what's the poop on the weather? That's what he said. And um oh man. He called he called what what was her name again? The 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 one he sexually harassed yeah, or sexually uh, assaulted. Sally, Sally is her. Sally. Yeah, he uh-huh. called her an overgrown adding machine because she was oh, a mathematician. Yeah. I was like, yep. good lord, man. <laughs> She's like, I don't need this overgrown adding machine. And at the end, was she not so disposable <laughs> that he was just like, well, I can't have Sally up there. Where am I going to get my calculator? It's like, what? You just <laughs> compared her to a calculator? I, we can't have her in there. I need my calculator. What are we going to do here? That's all she was good for is just being a calculator. Uh-huh. Yep. She was there to challenge him for him to push back and be proven right. That, mm-hmm. that, that was it. That was it. Because every time he pushed back and he corrected her on something or said something, he ended up being the one that was correct. Always. <laughs> so, yeah. That's all she she was there for. Oh, man. So, my nominee for favorite or best uh, line of dialogue in this movie, there is a scene where they are in Washington and they are talking to some generals uh, mm-hmm. about the whole giant bird thing. And the, on the radio, there are a couple of pilots who are out flying and come across the giant bird. And so you hear the pilots talking through the radio. And one of the pilots says, and I quote, I've seen some mighty big chicken hawks back on the farm, but this baby takes the cake. Wow. (laughs) To which, to which the other pilot says, I am never calling my mother-in-law an old crow ever again. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Oh my God. I must have blacked out at that moment because I don't remember those. I remember that scene. (laughs) I had to rewind it 
and listen to it multiple times because I'm like, I want to get this quote correct. I don't want to misquote this at all. This is what he says. He said, I've seen some mighty big chicken hawks back on the farm, but this baby takes the cake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. So any other dialogue you want to cover? I just just was remembering one (laughs) because it was between Mitch and the general. Because he was he was trying to come up with this this idea this plan that he had right Mitch had a plan and he was going to stop it and I think this was after they figured out all their antimatter nonsense mm-hmm. and he just if this works and then we can get close and we can bombard it with the antimatter or antimatter and all this stuff the the general had already said oh god wait a minute I wrote it down somewhere something about <laughs> he invested a dime. He's like, I've oh, already yeah. invested a dime in you. He's like, what do you got? And then he's like, well, I've got this device. Blah, 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 blah. So it's, they, they used this dime analogy so many times. Uh-huh. But it was just like the bird would be defenseless except for its beak, its claws, and its wings. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. so everything, it makes it a bird. You're right. Like, but you can, exactly. you can hit it with everything but the kitchen sink. But the kitchen sink. And he says, but we've got kitchen sinks to spare, son. <laughs> it's as bad as the weapons are useless, less than useless. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this movie. I don't understand this dialogue. It's so great, though. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. This movie. I swear. This movie. Oh, and what oh. was that? Was there another one? Oh, yes. All right. Help me refresh my memory because this was just one of those. Okay. What are you doing? Something happened to Mitch and he wound up in the hospital. Yes. Yeah. He he was working on the device that would uh, break down the antimatter shield or whatever it was around. Right. And the device blew up and Uh, he ended up in the hospital. He ended up in the hospital. They rush in, everybody from the cast, the general, the Sally, and they're just like, uh-huh. Mitch, Mitch, you got to wake up. And he's like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Hey, we got to go. And he explains this entire plan. He's like, well, Mitch, we got to go right now. And he's like, oh, I've been saying that for 10 minutes. Let's go. Let's get my pants. It's like, mm-hmm. just go. <laughs> the whole scene, I can't explain it. You just got to see it because you're just like, just it's get out so of the hospital. <laughs> it is exactly... It is exactly the pacing and tone and timing of a Laurel and Hardy skit or oh, yeah. something like that. Like it, it, it plays as a comedy. It plays exactly like a comedy. And, and I actually kind of liked it because it was funny. And, you know, I'll give that a like. The amount of time, the runtime mm-hmm. was short enough that it yes. was tolerable. I'll give yes. it that. <laughs> 75 minutes. 75 it, minutes. Just over an hour. If it had been any longer, I don't, I don't know. Right. I right. don't know. So so one final thing before we move into the Godzuki uh, scores that we want to give it. Mm. Um, the ending to this. The- you know. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, so, spoiler alert to anybody who <laughs> might be wanting to watch The Giant Claw from 1957, um, they do defeat the bird, the bird drops from the sky, they just cut the strings off the marionette, and it just drops into the water, 
and that's the end. The end, the, the, the words, the end, come over with the claw of the bird slowly sinking into the water. <laughs> it ends like, exactly as it began with the giant claw. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's, Title, it's, uh, end. <laughs> they bookended uh, it perfectly. That was the most creative thing they did in this entire movie. <laughs> It was such a weird, just like, wow, really? Yeah. Uh, I expected like something else, but I'm like, hey, <laughs> that <not>? ended though. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so uh, <laughs> let's get into our Godzuki score. For any new listeners, uh, we like to pay homage to the great Godzuki, who was Godzilla's bumbling and kind of dim-witted nephew on the 1970s Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon, uh, and we pay homage to Godzuki by using him as our measure for how we rate these movies. So, Stephen, out of five Godzukis, what do you give this movie? You know, I could be absolutely terrible and give it one, but, but, there are little bits that are entertaining like i said jeff morrow he sells it he mm -hmm. sells it the monster is iconic in a way that no one else will rip off that design so you know exactly yep. what movie this is coming from uh i'm gonna be fairly generous and give it a two okay now i have two scores Okay. I have the score that is me, Travis, the host of this podcast, trying to help people understand uh, what's good and not good about giant monster movies, introduce people to these giant monster movies they may not have seen. And I have Drunk Travis, who... <laughs> <laughs> Drunk Travis would give this movie a five out of five, because my goodness... I had a blast. <laughs> it is so much fun. Not at all how the creators intended it to be, but as a as a movie that you can watch drunk with your friends, absolutely this is so much fun to watch. Like I that. would you know what? I'll I'll concur with that. Absolutely. <laughs> but as sober Travis, who's the host of the show, I'm going to give it a one and a half godzukis fair enough because it it's really not good <laughs> no, it's not. and now now I, I i usually put my final notes down and i'll usually just kind of you know uh i won't read them off i'll just kind of you know look at look down and and uh go over my final thoughts but i want to read what i wrote down as my final thoughts because i think I, I did a pretty good job of putting it into words my feelings for this movie um so here's, here's my final thoughts. Excluding the creature design, the mm -hmm. movie is no worse than other monster movies of the era. What makes this movie so ridiculous and cheesy is the laughable puppet. But it's also the thing that has kept the movie from being forgotten after all these years. There is a certain level of enjoyment to be had in how bad the movie is. It's a memorable movie, but whether that is a positive or a negative depends on who is watching. And I think that's just my, that's, that ultimately, that's what it is. But no, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's memorable. Yeah. 
I mean, you're you're not wrong because without that puppet, this could have easily been forgotten. But that's the one thing that people remember. I know. I've seen that bird before this movie. I know yep. I have. Because when I saw it, I was like, I've seen that before, but I couldn't remember where. But it's there. It was somewhere in my head I'd seen it. So it was not yep. forgotten. Yeah. It's, it is a memorable movie. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's up to the individual who's watching it. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> going to have to go back. Uh, with some alcohol and some friends and check this out because I want to see if they can right. watch because I'm curious now you're I mean that that's absolutely right I want to see how much fun this will be <laughs> yeah yeah it's it seems like the kind of thing that you would just have a blast watching with some friends but uh with, while drinking I mean you do 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 a drinking game of every time the bird goes Wah! it's uh, the you kaiju take a drink. weekly drinking game <laughs> <laughs> take a shot every time there's a sexual assault <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness so um now as far as some fun facts for this movie uh i have a few that are kind of uh, i mean i don't think they're going to surprise anyone hmm. um one of the things is that the poster artists uh they were not shown the puppet or any of the artwork from the film's production uh, and so they had to basically just go off the description that people gave them when they were making the posters. So if you look at the posters, the creature on the poster doesn't look anything like what the monster in the movie actually looks like. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, I think the biggest sin for this movie was that the producers who the producer, Sam Katzman, has worked with Ray Harryhausen before and then they were wanting to do stop motion using ray harryhausen but the budgetary limitations meant that they had to go with something cheaper mm -hmm. and so it's like the biggest sin of this movie is could you imagine this movie with ray harryhausen stop motion it I, would have been fantastic yeah i think the, even the design would have been much more visceral because I think we would have gotten something that would be like, oh, okay. Like it would have yeah. made you stop and pause for a moment. Like that's vicious. That's creepy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just think about, I, I, I know this, the time period that this movie came out would have been earlier in Harryhausen's movie making career. But if you look at the stuff that he did with the rock, Mm -hmm. from uh from which is it uh seventh voyage of sinbad sure yeah and 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 even uh the mysterious island the giant bird on that one there's he can do these animals that look like real living breathing creatures and i think that would have been so much better they should have done that and shoulda coulda woulda shoulda woulda coulda didn't yeah so within <laughs> that with that being said do you think it would have elevated the material at all? Be I think... Because I think that would have made a stark contrast to have a great monster by the same dialogue, the same deliveries, acting. True. That would have been jarring. Well, it wouldn't have been much different than uh, It Came From Beneath the Sea. Because... Um, 
I, me and Michael reviewed that one uh, while you were on your podcation, mm-hmm. and I really do not like that movie as a movie. Sure. The only thing that's really good about that movie is the Ray Harryhausen effects. But the Ray Harryhausen effects are good enough that I will sit through the whole rest of the movie just to see those effects. Mm-hmm. So I think if if we had Ray Harryhausen doing this film, it would have been kind of similar to that, where we would have been really, you know, praising the monster, you know, and would have elevated it to a certain extent but you would have just been like just waiting for the monster to show up just like come on hurry up come on <laughs> so right. because that's really the only good part mm-hmm. um probably my favorite um fact about this movie the the thing about a lot of these movies from the 1950s uh and 60s and and you know even some of the later ones 70s and 80s is we have to take into consideration the time period. You know, when you watch a movie like um, The Blob, that movie is not necessarily scary by today's standards. True. But it was an extremely frightening film by the standards of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And so you have to remember that with some of these movies. that Sometimes they, they are not necessarily as good as modern movies but for the time period people would have just been like their minds would have been blown when they watched this movie so i was wondering how people reacted to this movie when it came out if it was something similar maybe maybe we're looking at the bird and we're seeing it from a modern uh standpoint and saying oh look how stupid look how goofy maybe maybe back then it was kind of received a little bit better Mm -hmm. so here's a fact says in an interview uh, with Jeff Morrow, he said that neither he nor anyone on the film saw the title Monster until they went to the film's premiere. Uh, and the premiere was in his hometown. <laughs> so, while he was there at the premiere, when the monster showed up on screen, he said the audience roared with laughter. <laughs> And he wound up slinking in embarrassment out of the theater before the film was over so that no one would recognize him. <laughs> Good call. So it's like, even in the time period that this movie was made, it was bad and laughable. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. And so I was just like, oh, okay. Um, See, the, they have their uh, Sonic the Hedgehog moments too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh man and um of course we we know that the we talked about how cheaply the marionette was made it was actually made for only 50 dollars mm-hmm. um which was more back then but still still a pretty cheap thing and it was made um down in mexico <laughs> they found a low budget uh, model maker in mexico and uh, paid them fifty dollars to make it. So, I mean, for fifty bucks, they probably got a good deal. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not great. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could it look is better. What it is it is? But at least yeah. it worked to a point. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and I think if if you had if I had not read that this puppet was made in Mexico, I might have even assumed that it was made 
by someone who had some connection to Mexico because it does kind of look like a traditional Mexican puppet uh, or marionette. Um, you know, a lot of ones that you might see during the Day of the Dead celebrations mm-hmm. and stuff that they use. It does kind of have that same feel. So there is a little bit of like stylistically, it may not look like a real bird, but it does kind of look a little bit kind of like a Mexican marionette is supposed to look. Yeah. So um, some of the scenes in this movie were recycled from uh other movies like Earth versus the Flying Saucers, which is a Harryhausen film, and some other ones, but that was that was one of the ones that they recycled some of the uh, stock footage from. Mm-hmm. So it's like some of the better moments in the movie actually were taken from better movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I think I think that's pretty much it as far as uh fun facts go that's just some of the fun facts that i found mm-hmm. when researching this film oh man anything else anything else we want to say before we close the book on this movie for good do not <laughs> kiss someone unless they want you to <laughs> for Consent. The love of god <laughs> the one thing that everyone should take from the giant claw consent is important yes <laughs> <laughs> my god things have changed <laughs> oh my goodness all right so we can move on now from that we're going to close the book on that movie and we're going to move into our listener questions or uh mailbag as i as i like to call it so in our mailbag we have a Special message from host of the show, Michael, uh, because he couldn't join us uh, this week, but he wanted to ask us a question that ties along with the movie that we're watching. And so I'm going to play this clip that he sent us, this audio clip of himself asking the question, and then we're going to do something fun with that question, which I'll cover as soon as we get back. So, hey, fellas. It appears that you guys forgot to include me on this week's episode. But it's okay, because I decided to send you guys a quick discussion question anyway, just so you wouldn't forget about me. So here it goes. If the Giant Claw were remade today into a Versus film, who would you choose as the Big Bird's Kaiju co-star? Thanks, guys. I'm sure it was a great episode. Steven, I hope you were able to keep Travis under control this week, because we all know he tends to ramble. Take care, and I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> now, if that isn't the pot calling the kettle black, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, we love having you on the podcast, and we're sorry you couldn't make it this week. We know that you uh, have a life outside of Kaiju uh, Weekly, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're glad that you were able to send us in. So what I decided to do with with this question is last week we talked about how we started our Patreon page. And one of the reward tiers is you will get a bonus podcast um, once a month that is just for the patrons or the patrons. And I didn't mention what that podcast was going to be about. Okay. 
But I decided that this might be a good opportunity to talk about what that podcast is going to be about because it does tie back into Michael's question. And so listeners, it's the long way around. (laughs) We're going to answer the question, but it's a long way around. So the idea for the Patreon only podcast is something that I like to call Kaiju Clash. And what we were going to do is everyone loves asking the question, who would win in a fight? Blank versus blank. And I figure let's do an entire podcast just about that. Who would win in a fight? Blank versus blank. And we would approach it. You would bring, you know, whatever uh, evidence you want to bring on your side of the argument. I bring whatever evidence I want to bring on my side of the argument. We talk about it. We discuss it. We discuss how the fight plays out. And then we leave it up to the patrons to vote on which one they think would win. Okay. So Michael asked if we were going to put the giant claw in another uh, in a movie with another kaiju, what one would we do it with? So I changed that a little bit to if we were going to fight the giant claw versus another kaiju, who would we versus against and how would it play out? So I'm taking the side of the giant claw because I drew the short straw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, uh, Stephen, what kaiju do you want to pit? against the giant claw so i really thought about this and i wanted i wanted to go outside the realm of obvious choices because first thing popped in my head was rodan because Mm -hmm. flying monsters who's the first one you think about rodan you know he can he's a giant Mm -hmm. bird what you know it, it works but then i thought no i want this to be an equal playing field i want this i want this monster to have a, a chance because the giant claw um he doesn't look like he's all there so i don't want to like <laughs> take care or like you know give him a disadvantage <laughs> so the giant claw is going up against the giant condor from godzilla versus the sea monster oh wow <laughs> <laughs> two big birds going at it too bi- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, present your evidence on on why you think the giant condor could defeat the giant claw. Okay. So, uh, he's a giant condor. He went up face to face with Godzilla, took a face full of atomic breath, and all he did was fall into the water. It hurt. But he took a dive, and obviously he was going—he was going up against Godzilla. It was going to be hard, but he went up against Godzilla, and as far as we know, survived. <laughs> right. So yeah, what other evidence do you need? He can take that antimatter nonsense with the giant condor and take that to the bank. Yeah. Uh, you brought up my main <laughs> argument for the giant claw, which is antimatter they talk about antimatter in this movie a lot and depending on how what pseudoscience in the movie you want to accept the antimatter means that 
regular matter can't touch it, and if we're saying that the giant condor is made up of regular matter, right. I don't know if he'd be able to touch... That's where they're going to have to hit tip wings and stuff. And, wah, wah, right. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> see who hurts who. <laughs> so, okay. So that's a good, that's a good uh, segue into it. How do you think this, how do you picture this fight playing out? I mean, there's, let's say there's going to be a lot of okay, flogging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's just going to be flogging and, uh, uh, and then whatever sound that, that condor, not the condor, but the, He's he made some weird sounds. The giant claw. (laughs) So they're going to be flapping wings, flapping at each other, trying to claw each other's eyes out, but then they can't reach them because their claws are just like down here, and they're too busy Mm. flogging each other in the face. It's going to be hilarious to watch. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely. Have you ever seen? There's uh, footage um, online of when eagles will duel, like two male eagles will duel, and they'll lock into each other and then just circle and spin around in the air, uh, holding on to Yeah. And I just like, I would love to see that happen with two giant monsters just lock into each other and then just spin around in circles above the sky. And you just, oh man, that would be so cool. There you go. Uh, and then that's, just, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so that that just seems like so much fun and it's so it's so crazy because neither one of these monsters has any kind of like projectile uh thing mm-hmm. you know they can't shoot any laser beams or anything like that so uh but i still i still gotta say with the antimatter thing and with the giant claws longer neck too he's got that he's got more of a reach he does have a reach. and he's got sharp He's got sharp teeth inside that beak. Okay. We saw the teeth, mm-hmm. whereas the condor just has a beak. So I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you've got he's got a reach, so he's got that advantage. Um I still feel like the antimatter thing is theoretical. We don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> this was just the musings of a madman just talking. He didn't know what a feather was. <laughs> he didn't know the feather. <laughs> <laughs> but but the I'm go, I guess I'm just going to stick to it to my initial argument. The condor took an atomic blast to the face and survived. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what? That's and something. he went up against Godzilla. Atomic breath to the face, took it, survived. I mean, he he took on Godzilla and survived. Could the giant right. claw do that? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> well, that's yeah. That's the question. All right. So that's our Kaiju Clash. Just a short preview of what if you uh, if you listeners support us on Patreon at the $10 level, you can get once a month. That's that kind of conversation every month uh, talking about uh, what monsters we're going to versus each other. And then you also get to vote on who do you think is going to win. So if you are a Patreon right now, if you sign up for a Patreon right now, uh, we will go ahead and put this a poll up for all of our patrons to vote on this one. And we will talk about in a future episode, probably towards the end of the month, uh, who wins in this fight of deadly flyers? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, it is patreon.com 
forward slash Kaiju Weekly Pod. Uh, you can get on there. You can look at the reward tiers that we have. You can see all the things that we're we're working towards. And if we get enough patrons, we don't need much, but we do have a goal uh, that we have set that if we reach by the end of the month, we'll go ahead and start doing our Kaiju Clash bonus episodes. So, uh, people, uh, listeners, if you want to support us, please do. And you can also send us questions or comments. Uh, you can do that through our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us on Twitter at kaijuweekly. And you can also uh, follow us on Instagram, kaijuweeklypod on Instagram. And uh, that's the ways to reach out to us. And we also want to take a moment while we were talking about the Patreon to give a shout out to one of our patrons because uh, we just put out the episode last week about starting the Patreon and we already have a few people who have signed up. And one of the rewards is that you get a shout out on the podcast with uh, and we also read out your favorite giant monster or giant monster movie and so the patron that we're going to highlight this week is brian stafford who is a longtime friend of the podcast he's been around for a while i know brian from other things too and he sent to me gamora friend to all children now i have a feeling that he doesn't mean the character from Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's actually trying to say Gamera. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Gamora, the daughter of Thanos, is his favorite giant monster. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, so he, he said that Gamera. We're going to assume he means Gamera, <laughs> is a friend to all children. He's also a multi-tooled actor that can pull off both high drama and comedy with the greatest of ease. So that is why he is his favorite giant monster. So we thank you for your support, Brian. Uh, also on Patreon, the support that you give us, but also always sending in questions and comments. And uh, we just are really glad that you follow along with us on this journey. And... For our last little bit of the podcast before we sign out, I also want to read out a review that someone gave us on iTunes. Ooh. Because, listeners, if you want to do that, that is a way that you can help out the podcast without having to contribute anything monetarily. You can just review us on iTunes. It really helps the podcast out, helps us get discovered by more people. And if you do review it, we will read it out on the podcast. So... Uh, here is the review. It's from Bryjan the Gaijin. And it says, not just podcasters, but heroes as well. Oh. So here is the review. It says, great and informative podcast about everything kaiju, but that's not all. I remember when Travis, Stephen, and Michael had each other had each broken their respective legs while working as photographers and were holed up in their apartments while they recuperated in their own wheelchairs. While passing away the time while looking out the rear window of their apartment, they witnessed suspicious activity from the man in the apartment across the open garden in the complex. 
After investigating, they were certain that the man had murdered his spouse and put themselves in mortal danger to expose his heinous act. Instead of returning to photography once they healed, they decided to enter the more exciting and dangerous profession of podcasting about giant monsters. <laughs> I so uh, I'm try- I, did I pass out at some point when this happened? Uh, was I gone? <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, didn't you remember that time when we helped solve a murder? Uh, <laughs> it's vaguely coming back. <laughs> I remember when. <laughs> so this, uh, when this got posted, Michael immediately sent it to me or sent it to us mm-hmm. and was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Uh, I get it. It's a reference to one of my favorite movies, Rear Window, mm-hmm. starring Jimmy Stewart. Uh, so I got yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very but, obscure yeah. reference to a kaiju <laughs> right. podcast, but I get it. It's awesome. Yeah, I I just love I love when people are creative with their answers to anything. I love the funny answers we get for the trivia each week. I love Anytime anybody's creative and funny, it's it's mm. great. Um, so thank you so much for sending in that review and for giving us five stars. And speaking of the trivia question, we're going to ask a trivia question for next week's episode. That's going to hint to the subject for next week. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you the subject because that it's it's we're returning to Ultraman, so it's not anything super special we've done ultraman episodes so far we're continuing on in our journey through the episodes of ultraman but the trivia question for next week is in episode 320 of the simpsons which of the family members appeared as ultraman in the beginning couch gag (laughs) (laughs) so I had to I had to reach because I'm like, okay, we're using up all of the Ultraman trivia. I had to go beyond just Ultraman, try something different. Um, so, listeners, if you know the answer to that, or even if you don't and you want to come up with a fun and creative one, you can uh, tweet at us, you can email us, you can also check out the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. I will be posting the this question on all of our social medias, and you will see it, and you can reply, and we will give you a shout-out, even if you get the answer wrong. Alright. Anything else, Steven, you want to bring up? Before we there, go. There, there, there's a giant battleship outside my window. Look at it out there. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a little weak. I, I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there's no better way to end the episode than that. So, uh,. We'll see you later, guys. Ha- control the giant bird population. Have your giant claws spayed or neutered. Bye. <laughs>